We're back on the TV podcast talking about Doctor Who. Uh, I'm Jason Snell, and I'm joined by uh, two gentlemen to talk about Doctor Who this week. It is Monty Ashley. Hello. Hello. And Chip Sutterth. Hi. Hi. We're talking about Time Heist by Stephen Thompson and Stephen Moffat, another co-byline. Fascinating. I wonder what that's all about. Um, but we've talked about that before, and I think we still have no actual clear answers about it. Um, but this is the episode we're talking about. This is episode five of series eight of Doctor Who. Um, this, uh, I honestly don't know how to even break this episode apart. It is, it is so stylistically, okay, look, Doctor Who is an anthology series with a couple of standing sets and a few continuing characters, um, as if a, tra- a traveler visited all of the episodes of the Twilight Zone. It, I mean, that's kind of one of the things I love about it is that it can be so many different things. Um, I remember, Chip, uh, you cited the, the, the concept of Doctor Who as a genre machine on uh, your podcast, The Two-Minute Time Lord. This episode really hit this home for me, where even last week was an interesting, fascinating, and sort of story about Doctor Who in a way. This is just this totally insane um, bank heist episode it's like totally different than i mean this is like not even the same show as the last two weeks and that i guess that's one of the great things about doctor who yeah i've been uh harassing my uh podcast listeners for a few weeks now because i keep working in references to another show that my son and i are obsessed with leverage right um and i was never expecting um i, I was really never expecting a Doctor Who episode to take on the sort of bank heist thing. By the way, uh, Matt Hills is an academic in uh, Cardiff who came up with the genre machine I- idea. You I just cited that's why I heard it from you. But yeah, it's yeah. great. Uh, it's a great concept. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's something that I wasn't expecting, and I found myself buying into it. This one was pretty confidential uh, in terms of immediate Twitter reactions, but um, I had fun with it. It's it, it was slight, but it was it was enjoyable. I thought. Monty, what about you? Uh, well, I want to say that even though it feels like a departure from Doctor Who, they still worked in plenty of people running back and forth through <laughs> obviously the same <laughs> corridor under different colored lights. You had to. I I really admired the fact. Actually, when it was the yellow corridor, I was like, <laughs> "Ooh, that yellow corridor looks really neat." And then I saw it in blue and red and white <laughs> and all of the yeah. other. And I, I kind of admired that. That it's like this is a bank. They don't really care about design, but the the TV show is making an effort. They've got a neat corridor, and yeah, it. Uh, I liked the. I liked that they tried to do something like that with it. So instead of it just being like the same corridor, it was like this one is red. I thought that was pretty cute. <laughs> I felt like they were doing it on purpose, especially the way they kept going back and forth through obviously the same grading, yep. which if I were making an impregnable super bank, I probably would put screws on it or something. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, there, there is there, – yeah, I mean, I guess this is also what you get in heist things. There's people going through uh, the ventilation, which happens. They um, weren't even going through ventilation. That grating was just between two rooms. I suppose that's true. That is low security. Well, I, I, they've atomized everybody with their DNA scanners. They don't need to do – you know, screw down the grating properly. Right? Yeah. One, once you get past the main door, then whatever. Yeah, you win. Congratulations. Go nuts. <laughs> unless we, unless the teller comes to eat you, um, you know. I, yeah, it, it is. You're, you're right. It's got that whole um, running through corridors thing that Doctor Who is uh, famous for. But um, I, I found it. 
I found it incredibly fun. Uh, it was one of those things that I think, uh, as with so many things, if the spell is broken and you're sitting there looking, you know, for all the things that are wrong with it, you can probably find a lot of them. But for me, I was like, I I can't believe that I'm seeing this. I don't really know what's going on. This is so weird. The tone is so strange for Doctor Who, um, and that that carried me along until. Um, until the end, really, when I when I in the last ten minutes, I was like, okay, I think I know entirely what's going to happen from here on out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, it it was a departure in sort of the same way that Robot of Sherwood was a departure, but I bought into this one a lot more easily um, because the Doctor is still the Doctor, and the world is still sort of a recognizable world as opposed to this sort of pastiche between um, b- between uh, fantasy and pantomime and um and, and actual history I like um, weird weird sci-fi pl- this reminded me of farscape a little bit in the sense there's a, actually a three-part episode of farscape where they rob a bank basically <laughs> um and uh it reminded me of that in that it's this weird sci-fi world right it's like you know who it's in biggest bank in the galaxy whatever galaxy it is i guess it's ours since there are humans there and uh they're you know weird cultures and aliens and a cyborg and all of that and i thought that was kind of fun too to just throw it in there like it's basically it's a space bank (laughs) yeah yeah Things like that always make me want to know more about the backstory, which I know doesn't actually exist, but what's in this bank exactly? Because it looks like the private vault, which Kara Braxos shouldn't be owning everything in the bank... Well, that was just a bunch of statues. Yeah, These are was, people that own star systems. Right. Where's the star system vault? Well, and there's that uh-huh. other. They they go to the other place, and it's like a series of safety deposit boxes, right? And they're just it's just safety deposit boxes with like a a bottle in this one, and uh, you know, and a little uh, electronic memory thing in another one. But they're just safety deposit boxes. They're right. It's not like there's like little pocket universes or secret DNA of things or anything like that that we know of. Well, there must be. Yeah, considering that this is, is such a departure in terms of genre, the episode pulls its punches a fair bit. The bank is kind of normal. Um, the characters are not shocking. Um, you know, this, it's even even the even the creature that is the monster of the piece is just another lovelorn um, yeah. separated from his separated it's like from his last spouse. year, yeah. right? It's the same. Yeah, yeah, story. Yeah. So, um, so the episode could have been far more daring. It's almost like they spent all their daringness on doing a bank caper mo- uh, movie in forty-five minutes in Doctor Who. That I wasn't terribly surprised by any of this, uh, by any of the developments in the story. Um, other th- and, and which is kind of surprising, given that Stephen Moffat tries to be all timey wimey uh, this season, just as he has been. Even the fact that the Doctor was the architect of the whole of the whole scheme, and was leaving the the signposts for all the plot points for all the characters to follow from point A to point mm-hmm. B to point B, or being left by the author of the story, who is also in the persona of the Doctor himself. But lack of surprises aside, uh, it was still enjoyable. I, I I had a moment. I uh, the only other I assumed the architect was the doctor, unless the architect was the teller. I had that moment of like, is this a plot by the teller to free himself from this servitude? And it sort of in in the end, sort of like through a couple of people was that plot. But I kind of missed that. But I, I did I did wonder about that. But it moved so fast. I mean, that's the trick here. This is the magic trick. Is it moved so fast that I kind of didn't care and I was just being swept along? Which is something that again, you know, I, I appreciate from this episode is that that this was about pace 
choice. This was about kind of uh, never letting you stop and think about what was going on. They kept moving to the next thing. But yeah, I mean, I had that moment where I realized when the teller gets brought in, the reason that their memories are wiped is so that they don't have, they don't remember what, 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 why they're there because this protects them from this, this thing. Uh, you know, it was, yeah, I, I just, it was fun, right? Oh. It was fun and fast moving for me. If this had happened with Matt Smith, I feel like there would have been a spot where his massive guilt over the time war would have overwhelmed the teller and they would have gotten away somehow. Mm. And I was kind Mm. of disappointed that either that didn't happen or they could have gone the other way and had the teller scan the doctor for guilt and find out that he has no guilt about anything. (laughs) I thought... um... There was a Matt Smith moment here, though, which is, uh, and this is, it's really a Stephen Moffat moment, but we've seen it most recently with Matt Smith uh, in the, in Amy's Choice, especially, which is, oh, I hate this guy. I hate this guy. That's the solution. I know who I hate the most. It's myself, because the doctor has this, according to Amy's Choice, especially this self-loathing inside him. And uh, this is, uh, this is where, this is where uh, we see that again. It's the same idea played back again, that, of course, I hate the person person who put me up to this because it's me right and it's sort of mirrored the same way in deep breath when um the doctor's going through the broom analogy and the clockwork droid you know who uh, after you exchange all these parts are you yourself anymore in this episode um the director of security and the owner whose names i am not even going to try to recall um they hate each other because one is a clone of the other. Right. And, and you know, the doctor's hating the architect because, well, they're different facets of the same person, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, th- there's, some, there's some art going on in this episode, which is mildly surprising given that it's coming from Stephen Thompson, who's had a good track record in Sherlock, but is one of the more reviled mm. writers of uh, modern Doctor Who. Yeah, he wrote um, that pirate episode that I despise. Curse of the Black Spot, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I know the that... title, I just don't like to say it, because <laughs> it, it's more, It's I'm putting it down even more if I pretend <laughs> yeah. I don't even know the Curse of the Bad plot is an episode. Anyway. Now yeah. you just hate Black Spots on <laughs> principle. Do. On yeah. principle, that's right. I hate King of Pain, too, because it mentions a Black Spot. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I thought this was his best episode. Stephen Thompson. I mean, honestly, I enjoyed this far more than I enjoyed his other episodes. I had a problem with one of the characters, and, well, there's one spot where Sabra's basic motivation is that she can't be loved by anyone, because if she touches anyone, she turns into them, and her claim is, who can trust someone who looks at you with their own eye, with your own eyes? Isn't that just nonsense? <laughs> it's like, definitely the opposite of Amy Pond's reaction in that one special. Yeah, right. like identical twins <laughs> seem to get along okay. <laughs> yeah, I really yeah. don't think she's cursed all that much. And then that turned out to be the whole theme of the episode mm. with, like Jason said, the Kara Braxos and the, uh, the head of security yeah. not trusting each other because they look the same. and. Yeah, I, I what think... What are you talking about? The shorthand was that she's like rogue. She cannot... T- you know, Sorry, X-Men reference. <laughs> yeah. She can't touch somebody else because something... But in this... I mean, I would have been happy if she had all she had said was, um, you know, somebody wants to be with me and then suddenly they're, they're with themselves and generally that's not a good... You know, if they enjoy that, that's a bad idea. But that's not the theme of the episode. So she says this other thing yeah. and I was like, all right, um, that's a weird way to look at the world, but I, it's part I felt of the that, theme. I felt that Psy had stakes. He's... He yeah. wiped the memory mm-hmm. of his family and he wants them back. Fine, I can get behind that. 
Sabra, not so much. Uh, I was also bothered by the fact that they kept talking about what Sai is here to do. He's got these special abilities. Sabra does this. What's the doctor for? He's His special power is that he's in charge. <laughs> yes, that's right. That made and me laugh. <laughs> Clara's just standing there. Really, she is. This is the first yeah. time that she doesn't have a whole lot of agency in the story. Yeah, it's yeah. like she sort of pals around with Sai for a little while, but it's sort of like, yeah, she's the, I mean, I guess sort of, she's sort of the audience proxy, which is yeah. a companion yeah. role that is not like, very exciting, but sometimes necessary. But in, in a in a season where Clara really has come into her own as a character, this in here she doesn't have a whole lot to do. Well, I'd yeah. forgive it if they didn't have a scene where everybody else was checking off reasons why they are there. Right. Yeah, and well. she's there. She's there simply because the doctor brought her along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really it. Now, admittedly, uh, he brought her along, and she is looking fabulous in in this week's costume. Yeah, well, but, when you kidnap somebody right when they're about to go on the date, every time <laughs> they're going to always look good. <laughs> yeah, that's good thinking. Yeah, but yeah, that's also that's, also do these people not play Dungeons and Dragons? You never split the party, and twice, or, or do they not watch Scooby Doo? That would be the other way. Well, I could, I could put uh, this twice. They're like, let's split up. I'm like, don't do. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. What is never going split on? The, never split the party is a and d rule. Always split the party is a Doctor, Doctor Who, Who rule. Doctor Who rule, yeah. yeah. We can do more damage that way. It's a Ghostbusters yeah. rule, too. The first thing you do is, well, I'm going to wander over here. I know we're in a crazy outer space market, and you've never been off Earth before, but eh, just go get in trouble. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? Um, the uh, I liked... I liked the scene where the teller comes and sucks the memories out of the guy. Um, I thought that was really kind of a little darker, a little less cartoony than I was kind of worried this was going to be. And I, and it was, uh, it was scary. The deflated skull thing was pretty, um, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty out there. And I thought that was, I thought that was nice in setting the jeopardy. And I thought just the way it was handled and the sounds and all that, my kids were kind of on edge and my kids have enjoyed this season, I think, but they have not been scared enough. I think for Dr. Who purposes, you need to scare them more. And that like, my son was like, put his hands up over his ears. Like the sound effects were really, really scary. And it sets sets up a lot of jeopardy. You really need for the rest of the episode to work. You need the teller to be um, frightening, and it's frightening after that. After it sucks the guy's brain out, and I guess liquefies or his skull or something. Since yeah, it, that your that brain doesn't super- hold up the top of your head. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, but- that was super important because there was no inherent stakes to the episode before that happened because we didn't yeah. know why they were on the heist at all. Right. I was confused by the storm. I, I, I like it causes the, lightning to be visible indoors. Yeah. I know that. I like I like the idea. I like the idea. In the end, you realize, look, this is a story about how they're being set up to go through all these motions. So at the exact moment where they think, what do we do now? We don't have anything to do. Essentially, the lights go out because there is time travel involved, and they're picking this moment when the storm hits. And I, I, I when it when it happened, I thought, oh well, that's really clever. I did the storm wasn't set up, but now that's why it was withheld from us but then at some point and perhaps i just wasn't paying close enough attention at some point it's no longer there's a storm it's that the storm is going to destroy the planet and um i totally or the bank or you know at least and i totally missed that and it's like wait when when did this go from being just a storm to being evacuated and shouldn't that have been a bigger stage in the story to say now we're evacuating because when we got to the end and and you know she leaves and then she regrets that she left the 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 teller there i thought did i you know again did i miss the big reveal that the whole thing was going to be destroyed it just it seemed weirdly set up the whole the whole part of it yeah yeah um it, 
Did I miss it's, it? It's an, it's an, I think you missed it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, it just it's seems like there. that's awfully it's dramatic. Just, like, oh, my God, yeah. we're going to be destroyed. Like, I actually, uh, through my close personal friend, Marcelo Carmargo, um, I've, uh, no, no, sorry, the, 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 the leaked script. Um, yes. I did get a copy of the leaked scripts, and I have not been Ooh. spoiling myself, but I had, I did read the script for this one afterward. And, um, and it did, it, it did sort of emphasize that, you know, they were evacuating all the customers. You just don't dwell on it because the, most of the action of the story is happening down in the vault. Yeah, it just zipped along past. I felt like that was a moment that really needed to get hammered home. Like, oh, now this isn't about, we're not just weathering the storm. We're going to, if we stay here, we're going to be destroyed. And uh, I don't know. That seems strange to me. Um, I love the idea of the storm and the fact that, I mean, what would be the perfect heist, right? Is you you know, you use time travel. You know when everybody's attention is elsewhere and that's when you do it. But you've got to know in advance that that's, it's the ultimate distraction. You don't even need to create it. It was kind of the same story beat as in Die Hard was my only real yeah. problem with it. That I've got broken through the first seven levels of security, but I can't break this last one. It's impossible. That's okay. The police are cutting the power right yep. now. Yeah, exactly. It's time travel or uh, terrible Los Angeles police. Either one will Basically work the same thing. for your heist. Um, let's see. What else did I have in my notes here? Um, I... I um, I, I wondered about that that uh, device, not the shredder, not being a uh, not being a self destruct, but being a teleporter because it was awfully clean. There was no attempt at anything horrific, and I felt like the special effect is exactly what you dial up. If it's a well, it needs to not look clearly like a teleporter, but also not you know not mm. be uh, somebody dying because it is a teleporter. Yeah, um, I I sort of saw that coming just because they had a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. Who had not yet been confused with, for somebody else? Yeah, you need that payoff where it was somebody yeah. else. That yeah, I should have I should have uh, I should have picked picked up on that. At, at when the, when she dies or gets teleported, but <laughs> looks like I thought that we were getting the end to the Dalek scenario all over again with the um, you know promise me this and. Uh, sacrificing herself i I was fully expecting her to wake up in the process promised land and oh, here's yeah. missy all over again you know and at that point in the episode i haven't bought in yet and i'm actually starting to get grumpy but um um because she had been developed almost too much to exit the story so quickly it's uh it's like let's develop her just enough and then let's Tasha Yar her and yeah, we're eliminate killing, her. We're killing her off already is what I was thinking. It's like, oh, I guess we're yeah. at the point where everybody but the doctor and his companion dies now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for um, helping us out. Yeah, that's right. But I guess the strategy here was you guys do these stuff and then when you're no longer useful, you die. And we continue on with the story. But it <laughs> turns out there was a twist there, which is nice. Sorry, which we already nice. have some recurring uh, people in the Victorian era we get like to return to. You guys, we don't have room for. I like there were a couple of lines that I, I wanted to call out. Um, I liked sanity judgment from the self burner. That was a really good one mm-hmm. when when uh, the Carabraxos is judging uh, judging the doctor's uh, sanity, and he says, "Oh, sanity judgment from the self burner because she's going to burn her clone." Yeah. And I, I liked a uh, uh, big scarf bow tie. Embarrassing. I was hoping I was hoping for minimalism. <laughs> I think I got magician. 
<laughs> I, I liked that, and I also liked uh, Capaldi saying, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut it up. Yeah. Which I felt was clearly a thick of it reference. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and I thought that was hilarious because nobody's talking. That's a great moment where <laughs> yeah. it's all yeah, the he's noises done that a couple in his, of times. All the noises in his own head. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Shut up, everybody shut up. <laughs> I liked <laughs> what? I liked the way the head of security talked. Like four different times she did something where she think she's done and then she adds a twist. Like, we'll be fired. Fired with pain. Or <laughs> Your next of kin will be informed and incarcerated. <laughs> yeah. She's very fond of that cadence, and I am too, so I approve of it. Very nice. Well done. Well done. I agree with you, Monty. Rarely. What? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at the very end, there's a, there's a nice... We've been talking this whole um, season on these podcasts about, about Clara coming along and having... Uh, kind of the upper hand in a way, because not only has has Jenna Coleman been on the show longer than Peter Capaldi, but um, you know Clara ha- has uh, she's been doing this for a while. The new the Doctor is new; he's still trying to figure out who he is, and uh, their relationship is uh, not your traditional one, where he comes and sort of begs her to go along with him instead of uh, she f- she fully commits to him. That's not what happens, and that that has a really nice moment at the end where um, where she says. Uh, don't go on, don't rob any banks. He says, or what, you know, unless what? And she says, unless I, you know, you invite me along. And his response is, of course not boss, which I thought was really nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That that is that relationship right now is that it's playful, but it's also much more equal than the doctor companion relationships tend to be. He's kind of needy. He keeps trying to pry. I mean, he says that the very last line of the episode is, you know, rob a whole bank. Try that, you know, try that on a date. How's that for a date or whatever he says? And he's, you know, he's competing with her. He's trying to um, get her to spend time with him. And she's, you know, she's okay with it. But, you know, it's it's a I'm fascinated by that dynamic. That is a different kind of companion dynamic. Yeah, he's 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 so much more insecure. And that's we we saw this all the way back to Deep Breath, uh, and it, it's continuing. As powerful as the Doctor is now, and as uh, ornery, and um, and he's not given the sympathy at all, but he's still fundamentally insecure. He's the realist Doctor that I think mm. we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and I love Capaldi. I mean, th- again, we've said this uh, repeatedly here, but he's great. He is just really fun to watch and that character i mean he can he can elevate material there's no doubt about it and 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 he's uh, um this is like the third consecutive week that my wife has turned to me and said i think he's my favorite (laughs) (laughs) so he's definitely you know that that uh you know half of half of i don't know about the percentages but you know part of a show's success is going to be its writing but the casting casting is a huge part of a success uh, of a show and capaldi um you know, makes everything better here. I could kind of do without all the eyebrows references. Like, <laughs> there seems to one right. <laughs> well, yeah, but already he's very comfortable in his new face, yeah. which it seems like just a couple of weeks ago he was really bothered by. Yeah, yeah. Well, now he's using it though. He's yeah, yeah. yeah he's uh, basically it's the eyebrows. I think That's is the true. line. One, I'm, I'll give him one eyebrow an episode, right? One. All right. I don't know. Right. I I agree. I I. I I thought that was, uh, I was like, oh, the eyebrows are we're still doing that, are we? But it was funny, so I, yeah, I'll i give him one. I'll give him a pass on one. I, I would like to mention, it's just a little thing, but another a groundbreaking moment for this episode. Not only is this 
televised Doctor Who's first bank heist story, but it's also televised Doctor Who's first takeout Chinese around the TARDIS console scene. I, I thought that was a strange and yet kind of neat scene at the very end where we keep seeing the TARDIS flying and they're basically like, look, after the job is complete, um, rather than just saying, well, then we, do- we jump them off. They get their little farewells. They get the little laugh. Of it's like, a celebration. Hey, we, we did they actually it. celebrate. Yeah, it's like they could have high-fived. <laughs> they probably did, but we didn't see that part. We just saw the Chinese. And then, and then you know, they each get dropped off. And uh, I thought that was kind of a funny... And nice thing of like, look, the, 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 the gang, the gang all made it through. They pulled the job. And, uh, you know, you like to have that at the end of a heist uh, movie, at the end of a caper movie, right? Well, the, 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 doctor, the doctor even telling jokes, you know, the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa joke, oh, yeah. telling the story and everybody, you know, it, it's, it is so uncharacteristic for this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I've. Perhaps with uh, the Doctor's gang and the dinosaurs on a spaceship episode, we had a little bit of that feel. But... Well, he he does the little call me to sigh, too, which is nice. Yeah. Like, like, you know, he knows people and he'll call on them again if he needs them. And they're like friends of the Doctor. And I th- I like the idea that he's not a guy who knows one person. And then they leave, and then he's sad, and then he meets another single person, and then he only knows them. Like, Stephen Moffat's era has tried to spread that around a little. Like, he's got friends all over. He's got people he can call on and need and has in the past, not just, you know, like Strax and Vastra, but in in the uh, Good Man Goes to War, he finds all sorts of people, and he he brings them along. And and here he's met some other friends. I think that's an interesting uh, trying to broaden the Doctor's world and make it not just, like I said, like he only knows the one person. Yeah, they they need to put more brigadiers into the world. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to that's a great yeah. way to look at it. It's well like he done. doesn't just know companions. He needs he needs brigadiers. He needs people who are out there who can pop in and be like, oh yeah, I, why if you were a time traveling you know time lord, would you not have somebody who is your you know augmented human cyborg guy who you were like he's really good under pressure in uh, you know in a bank job. Um, you know, he, he's got some of those skills. I'm going to use him the eight times I need to rob a bank over the course <laughs> of a thousand years. He's the guy I'm going to go to. Why would you not do that? Uh, I mean, if you were a t- time traveling uh, time, right. which I'm not, I'm not robbing any banks. I swear I'm, mm-hmm. I'm legit. I'm perfectly legit. Anything else about this episode that stri- strikes you guys that you want to, you want to talk about? Um, I didn't notice when he was flying this flying the TARDIS in this episode, but it is my impression that 90% of the time when he is flying the TARDIS, Peter Capaldi uses only one lever. He just uses that lever. That's the, the time <laughs> it's lever. just this one Frankenstein switch <laughs> yeah. that he does yeah. everything with. I think that's fun. Yeah, it's the dramatic engagement yeah. feature. It's the Capaldi intensify lever. Mm. Yeah, it's more. it's very Capaldi to only have one lever and throw it as opposed to the Matt Smith technique of throwing your hands around and twisting dials and flipping switches. Going around the entire console, touching things before finally engaging. Yeah, it's a little more... uh, David Tennant was more into the single kind of lever engagement kind of thing. Well, this doctor seems like he's pretty good at flying the TARDIS, unlike almost all the other doctors ever. He's hitting exact places (laughs) and times regularly. Yeah, for Clara, because he needs to get her. He's motivated, right? I think he's motivated to get her back and not ruin her dates and things, because she'll get mad at him. Well, well, look at uh, Matt Smith at this point in his run (laughs) was missing by decades. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Peter Capaldi is a better shot, time-wise. That's for sure. Anything else? 
I, I can't think of anything. It's a, it is a simple and it's not a yeah. particularly deep episode, it, it's, but it it's, is a fun one. It's tough to analyze this one. I mean, we've been talking about it all this time, but it's like it is like it's fun and there are funny moments and it's got silly things like the many colored corridors or identical corridor um, that uh, but it's not. Yeah, this is not one of those things like like hot or not hide like uh, listen Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like there are layers and themes and what does it all mean and all that. This is not that. And, yeah. and I, I like that about it. This is f- funny, take a ride, um, aliens and bank heist and memory worms and all of that. Uh, you know, it's fun. It's it, it's Those seeking more than that will probably be disappointed, but I wasn't disappointed because I enjoyed the ride this week. Yeah. If every episode well, was like this, I would not, but it's not. Well, looking in at the initial reactions on Twitter, it's been really polarized. It baffles even me so than some of the others uh, well, this season. Uh, uh, there, there are people who despised it. Is there no Doctor Who episode that everybody agrees on? I think at this point that it's all polarizing. But this felt much less to me. I didn't read this like like um, Robot of Sherwood. I watched and I thought, oh boy, <laughs> there's going to be people who like it, and there's going to be people who hate it. And this one, I was like, what's not to like? <laughs> Doctor know. Who reaction on Twitter just makes me feel bad that I don't have very strong opinions about Doctor Who. Because <laughs> everybody else is yeah. very... I like it okay. I like some episodes more than others. So now, Monty, a feature of this podcast when we did the Game of Thrones um, episodes and, and when you, you were doing those with Brian Hamilton, too, is talking about what the, what the uh, title of the episode means. So this episode's called Time Heist. And it seems to be that there's a sort of heist involving time travel in some way. Yeah. <laughs> That's my interpretation of it. I, I think you're right. Yeah. It's not that deep an episode, though, so. Yeah. It could be. Incidentally, if you're going to get augmentations for your brain to make you a better <laughs> uh, bank robber, don't get the kind that stress drains the batteries. I, yeah. I agree. That seems like the cheap kind. Also, the, the um, like, EEPROM chips on the outside of your head from <laughs> yes. a sharp wizard from oh, 1985 those... seems like questionable technology <laughs> Those were all great, though. His little uh, <laughs> thing that projected onto the projected a map onto the wall was obviously was a, a USB. USB cord, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Their dimensional bomb was based on a videotape. <laughs> That's adorable. I was going to say it's a little totally be doing that. I, I was saying it's a little bit like Max Headroom. It had that feel of like you know this is the old technology being used as new technology. It's very exciting. I like the dimensional shift bomb. My my son called that. He said it's going to be like the squareness gun, um, and he was totally right. And I like that mm-hmm. it, it puts it back when it's done. That's actually they, very clever. Did they lose the bomb though? Because I, that would have been useful several more times. I think yes. it was maybe a one shot deal. Oh, okay. Whatever you say, Jason. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I just made that up. I'm sure that was what it was. It was a one shot deal. It's a bomb. It blows itself up. Sure. Or shifts itself dimensionally. Something like that. All right. Well if I hear nothing further, then we're gonna wrap up uh Time Heist. What's coming next week? Uh Chip, what do you do you what's the name of the episode next week? You oh, know what's on God, second. if you hadn't asked me. Uh, we'll just look it up really quick. I saw the trailer. Oh yeah, it looks like it had a lot of dates. Oh yeah, it's which, okay. The caretaker. Uh, the, the caretaker is next week, which is an yes, episode. Yes, we're bringing back the we're bringing back the season the series premiere of Voyager. No, uh, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> great. That's for Random Trek. That's a totally different podcast. Uh, yeah, this is so. This is the first episode we really know nothing about because it didn't leak. 
Uh, that's nice. And uh, it, it, it's uh, from the trailer, it looks like this is a lot of Clara and Danny Pink. And then also uh, the doctor uh, ruins everything for her by yeah. showing up at the school. So that's yeah. next week. Wicker- there's something there's something bad happening at Cold Hill School, and the doctor is the care- masquerades as the caretaker. And somebody online was telling me that in the trailer he can be seen wearing David Tennant's old overcoat. Hmm. <laughs> I, I would really like to have the doctor mention that his granddaughter used to go there at some yeah. point. That would be because mm-hmm. Stephen Moffat, what he's doing here is essentially setting us up. You know, Danny Pink and and Clara Oswald. It's a man and woman who are teachers at Cole Hill School. Just mm-hmm. like the original companions of Doctor Who are, so come on, you gotta get a, you gotta give it a nod at some point and say, "Oh, my my granddaughter came to the, went to the school." But we'll see. Wikipedia claims it will involve Clara struggling to keep her life with the Doctor separate from her personal and professional life. Mm. I suspect mm. she will fail, and that and there's a monster. <laughs> I will be somewhat impatient with the whole process. Uh, all right, I don't really care about companions' personal lives. Interesting, interesting. I do like the idea, though, that it's like, hey, I got everything working here, and then you show up, and there's a monster. Thanks. Like, it's the doctor's, you know. Wherever he goes, there are monsters. That's just, that's how the show works. So, very bad thing if you're a companion. Just trying to have a normal life. Don't, don't, don't date and be traveling with the doctor. It's going to go like this. What is she thinking? Well, or it might end in a marriage. Yeah, I suppose. That, that's the other way to go. That would be amazing if they stuck a marriage in this early in the run. Good for them. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. That is the TV podcast for Doctor Who for this week. Thanks to everybody for listening. Monty, thanks for being here again. Nice talking to you on the TV podcast again. Nice talking to you, Jason. There's a lot less uh, swearing and blood and nudity than in Game of Thrones. So. I noticed that. I kept waiting for something. And but... it just didn't happen. And uh, Chip Sutter, thank you. People can always listen to you review these episodes also on the Two Minute Time Lord, right? That, that they may at TWOMinuteTimeLord.com. Thanks a lot, Jason. And thanks to everybody out there for listening once more. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.